Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, um, this is it. You made it. Today is the final week of the Make Room series. Uh, And next week, we're going to put it all together as we have just a morning of worship and music and ministry for our annual Christmas morning of worship. Um, We've spent the last two weeks, this will be week three, in the middle of the Make Room series talking about making room for worship. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how worship is bigger than just music. And while music is a part of praise and worship, it's only just that, a part of it. And we looked, uh, we dove into Romans 12:1, where Paul instructed the first century Christ followers in Rome to offer themselves as a living sacrifice. And he used these words. He says, "This is your true and proper worship." And we spent the morning talking about how a life of sacrifice is what true worship is. Um, it's, it's the John 3:30 moment, the cousin of Jesus, the forerunner of Jesus when he was speaking of Jesus, and he said, he must become greater, I must become less. Or he must increase, I must decrease. And then last week, we moved into the seven Hebrew words for praise. Some of you were familiar with some of that. There are 11 Hebrew words that are used in the Old Testament for praise or thanksgiving uh, or the word sing. Uh, But there are seven primary words that are translated that way. They're Hebrew words translated praise, thanksgiving, or sing. In our English Bible. So uh, just a quick disclaimer. My intention, because we spoke about two last week, was to get through the other five this week, and we're not going to make it. Uh, We're going to get through a couple of more. And if you want to know about the rest of them, Google it. (laughs) Uh, But this would be a good moment for you to kind of put your own Bible study uh, uh, habits habits together. We're not going to get through all of them. Um, So just as in our English language, we have, you know, we use the word love in many different facets. Uh, we love our family, we love sports, or we, you know, love Chick-fil-A. And even though we use the same word, love, the meaning obviously isn't exactly the same. Um, and similarly, when we read the word praise in Scripture, the actual meaning might be deeper and it might be different than our English understanding of the word. And so last week we talked about, again, two of those words. The word is zamar, that was one, and the second one was yada. And yada means to revere with extended hands, which we did that. I encourage you to do that today, to lift up your hands, to hold out your hands in worship. And it also means to throw a stone or an arrow. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about how when we lift our hands, it's more than just an act of surrender. And I kind of apologize for my own language that I use so regularly when I say, come on, lift your hands. It's just a universal sign of surrender. And that's part of it. That's part of what's happening when we're lifting our hands in worship is we are surrendering our heart to the Lord. The language I use is it's an outward posture of what's happening inside of our heart. But it's more than that. The word yada means to throw a stone or to shoot an arrow. And so when we lift our hands, we are physically, or not physically, but we are spiritually doing warfare in the spiritual realm. You know, Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. There is a real spiritual realm that we don't see. And when we lift our hands using the Hebrew word yada, it's as if we're throwing arrows into the enemy's camp. Amen. 
And secondly, we talked about zamar, and that is to make music or to celebrate in a song or a music or to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. We just did that. We played instruments and drums and whatever, and we lifted up the name of Jesus in song. That is zamar. Now, this is, again, something we do corporately every single week. You know, we play these instruments. And if I could say one of the things that I love about our church is the way that you sing corporately. Uh, I've led worship in a lot of places, and it's just simply people singing out loud all the time just simply isn't the case. And I love those moments where I can step away from the mic. And we did that today. I wasn't even thinking about the message, but I was like, just you, just the church. And you're like, why should I worry about the highs and the lows? You know what I mean? Like you were ready, right? But I love that I can step away and the crowd takes over in that moment. And if you've been in other churches, you know that that's not always normal, right? You can't always hear other people singing. But I love that about our church. Something significant happens and special. Something special happens in the, when the body of Christ begins to lift up the name of Jesus together in song. The atmosphere literally and physically, it changes. And maybe you're thinking, well, what difference does it make if I sing or I participate in those moments? Well, listen, it makes a difference. One, it'll make a difference in your own life. It'll change things inside of you. Number two, it makes a difference in the lives of others. There's a very famous story in the book of Acts in the New Testament where Paul and Silas had been beaten and thrown into prison. And the Bible tells us that around midnight they began to sing. And history tells us that they were likely singing Psalms uh, 113 to 118. And when I came across this, it really, it really impacted my heart in a great way. And also Psalm 136, which the Jews referred to as the great Hallel. Again, this is a derivative of one of the seven Hebrew words, halal, which we'll talk about. Um, and it's also where we get our word hallelujah. But listen to the language that Paul and Silas were singing while in prison. Uh, before, because before, we're going to read some of those psalms. But before we get that, let me give you some context if you're not familiar with the story. You can read it in Acts chapter 16. But Paul was a missionary. He's there. He's preaching Jesus. He had been converted. Uh, he previously was, was persecuting Christians. He had permission from the authorities to kill them. Uh, he was involved in what we read as the first martyr, which was Stephen. And, and Paul's life was radically just wrecked. Like God did a complete just 180. So he's preaching Jesus. And he, the authorities are not, they're not having it. And so the, the story tells us in Acts chapter 16 that they, they tore their clothes off. They were beaten with rods. And they were thrown into the, the Bible uses the word inner prison, or what we would call maximum security. And then their feet were shackled. And I want you to put yourself into this story. Imagine for a moment what it, have been, what it would have been like to have been stripped publicly. And then beaten with a rod. And the word rod there actually means a walking stick or a staff. right? We're not talking about a little twig or a switch. We're talking about being beaten with something similar to a very small baseball bat. Now you're thrown into a first century prison and your feet are then shackled so that you can't even move. What words would you be saying? What kind of thoughts would you be thinking? I'd probably be feeling sorry for myself and let down by God. But listen to the language in the songs and the hymns that they sang around midnight. Psalm chapter 113, 1 through 3. And I want you to hear this through the filter of someone who's just been beaten, probably almost to death, and they're in chains inside maximum security, first century prison. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you His servants. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The word praised here is the word halal, and we're going to come to that in just a moment. Listen to the language. Beaten, shackled, imprisoned. Psalm 116, beginning in verse 1. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, and I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. You think he might have thought that he was going to die when he was being beaten by that rod? Then I called on the name of the Lord, save me. And the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. And when I was brought low, he saved me. Return to rest, my soul. He's speaking to himself. He's been through literal hell, and he's speaking to himself. Return to rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For the Lord has delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He's declaring, I'm going to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 118, verse 1, give thanks, that word is yada, lift your hands, throw arrows, revere him in worship, throw stones into the enemy's camp, yada to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. I was just stripped and beaten with the equivalent of a shepherd's staff, and my response is to yada, or to worship the Lord with lifted hands, for he is good and his love endures forever. Psalm 118, verse 5, when I when hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. I love that. I love that. We're making room for him. And when we cry out to the Lord, he makes room for us. He brings us from those tight, restricted places into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. Verse 6, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. Verse 10, all the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Verse 17, I will not die, but live and I will proclaim what the Lord has done. I know we're supposed to be talking about the seven Hebrew words of worship, but this is why Paul can write things from Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He had sacrificed his status. He sacrificed his authority. He sacrificed his body. He sacrificed his life, and he urges us to do the same. I started down that trail to answer the question, what difference does it make if I participate in singing and worship? Well, the result of Paul and Silas's little midnight praise break was that their shackles fell off and the prison doors flew open. See, not just for them, but for everyone in the prison. It appeared as though it was going to be the great escape. It was so... It was, it was so bad that the jailer drew his sword and his, his plan was to kill himself. But Paul stopped him and ended up leading him and his entire house to the fam, and his entire family to Christ. Amen. See, their praise brought freedom and salvation, but not just to them, but to those around them. 
This is, you, might, you, you might hold the answer to someone else's breakthrough. Your praise might be the key to someone else's freedom. Your praise might be the key to the salvation of a lost family member or a loved one. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate your praise. Again, when we read those words in Psalms, uh, the great Hallel, as it was known, many of the seven Hebrew words were present. One of them was Barak, and that means to kneel or to, to bless. Shavak, which means to shout. And Yadah, of course, which is to worship with extended hands or also to throw stones or shoot arrows. You think Paul and Silas didn't know they were doing spiritual warfare? I mean, Paul literally wrote the original book on spiritual warfare. Right? That's where we get all of the information that we have. He's the one that told us under the influence of the Holy Spirit that our weapons are not natural but spiritual and that they're mighty to pull down strongholds. Paul knew that what they were doing was war in the spiritual realm. And even though there was a lot of different words that were used there, the overarching theme of those Verses in the book of Psalms is halal. Now, halal is this. It's one of the seven Hebrew words. and it's a, it's, a, it's a praise of celebration is really what it is. And it means to boast or to rave or to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Uh, the dictionary describes the word clamorous as making a loud and confused noise. This is what they were doing. They were lifting up their voice in song, singing the psalms in a, in a clamorously foolish way. How many of you know it makes sense to be lifting up the name of Jesus and shouting and celebrating when your feet are in shackles after you've just been beaten almost to death? Probably the closest thing that we have to this in our culture would be sports fans. Uh, and I know that not everyone in the room is a sports fan, but we've all experienced or at least seen on TV obnoxious sports fans. How many of you... <laughs> How many of you live with an obnoxious sports fan? Nobody. Perfect. <laughs> How many of you are an obnoxious sports fan? I mean, if you're a Gator fan, then the FS, FSU fans are the most obnoxious. Right? If you're an FSU fan, then the Gator fans are nauseating. Right? If you're a Kentucky fan like we are, then all of the Florida teams are unpleasant, disagreeable, distasteful, offensive, dreadful. I just Googled a bunch of synonyms for obnoxious. But, uh, but if we're honest with ourselves, um, whether it's sports or concerts or meeting a celebrity, people can act pretty foolish. Fans in 10-degree weather in the middle of a snowstorm with no shirt and their chest painted green wearing a cheese hat to cheer on the Packers. Like, it doesn't get much crazier than that. Right? I don't even want to check my mail when it gets to 50 degrees. You know what I mean? They're out there with no shirt. When I was researching, researching some of the crazy things fans do, I came across um, Taylor University. Anyone ever heard of Taylor University? A couple of people. I hadn't heard of them at all. It's a tiny Christian evangelical college in Indiana. On the eve of finals week, every year, uh, before the end of the, the first, first half of the year, students dress up in costumes. Originally, it was, a, uh, it was the president's Christmas PJ party. And that morphed into this combination of things with the basketball team. Now it's kind of this hybrid Christmas slash Halloween. Everybody gets dressed up in crazy costumes. And they pack the stands to watch their basketball team. And then they sit in complete silence from the opening tip until the Trojans, that's their, their uh, mascot, until they score their 10th point. That's when the gym erupts. Students rush the floor like they've won the national championship and double overtime for their most bitter rival. It's been so successful that Taylor has only lost one time in what they call the silent night game in over 22 years. 
Uh, anybody ever heard of that? Well, you're in luck. Because <laughs> we live in the age of media. And uh, so we're, we're going to watch this clip. It's a little bit old. It's from 2012 or 13. This is the favorite thing I've seen in a long time. This goes on for a long time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this is 10 points. Oh, you know, might be, they might be down 30 points at that point. You know what I mean? This is 20 to 10. When they score their 10th point, the people go nuts. Personally, I love this. Uh, there's no doubt to me that this qualifies as a foolish or a clam- clamorous kind of celebration. Right? This, is, this is a celebration of praise, to use our language, that makes absolutely no sense from an outsider's perspective. Like the game is, you're, this is the middle of the game. What are you doing? Like if you, did, if you didn't know and you were there as the opposing team, you'd think, this is so weird. Like everybody's quiet and then they just go nuts. You're like, you'd be, I'd be leaving. I'd be like, these people are crazy. <laughs> Several years ago, a pastor and worship leader, Clint Brown, wrote a song called Crazy Praise. Anybody ever heard that song? Perfect. Uh, <laughs> part of the lyrics say this, give him a crazy praise, a praise that don't make no sense. Uh, Paul and Silas were giving a praise that didn't make any sense. In the midst of being stripped naked, in the midst of being imprisoned, in the midst of true persecution, not what Americans consider persecution, in the midst of being beaten nearly to death with a rod, Paul and Silas lifted their hands, they lifted their voice, and they sang songs of praise to their God. I remember one Sunday in 2012 or 13, I was leading worship 
And we were singing the song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Anybody know that song? Yeah. Finally, an analogy you guys agree with. <laughs> and so there was a lady who, had, who attended our church. Her name was Carol. And her high school daughter was in our youth group. And just a few weeks earlier, we'd gotten a call. Uh, we were working on the stage, getting ready. It might have even been for Christmas. I'm not sure. But we'd gotten a call, and we had to rush to the hospital where this lady's husband and this precious little girl's dad died of a heart attack. And when we, that, on that Sunday morning, when we came to that bridge, and it says, you give and take away, you give and take away, but my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. I'll never forget this moment as long as, long as I live. We were singing that song. And she got out of her seat and she made her way to the aisle. And she began to dance and lift her hands in the air. And she was declaring, no matter what I face, blessed be your name. This was definitely a Zamar and a Yada kind of praise, but more than that, it was a halal praise, which was a praise that made no sense. That in the midst of complete loss and devastation, experiencing one of the most painful things that a person could experience, losing your husband of however many, 20 plus years, now raising your teenage daughter with no father, all of the things that go along with that. He's not going to see her at her senior prom, not going to walk down the aisle, all of the things that go along with that loss. And she got in the aisle and she danced and she praised. I wonder how many of us are missing out on our breakthrough because we allow our situations to determine our praise instead of allowing our praise to determine our situations. I don't feel like praising today. I don't feel like it. I don't praise it. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to praise because I feel sad or anxious. This is something I dealt with. I don't, I'm not going to lift. I'm not going to sing because I don't feel worthy. Anybody ever felt like that? You come to church, the worship leader says, come on, lift your hands. And you're thinking about something you did or said that week. And you're like, I, don't, I can't lift my hands today. I've got so much sin in my heart. And the truth is we'll never be worthy in and of ourselves. And the only way that we become worthy or righteous or in right standing with God is because of Jesus. We don't praise Him because we're worthy. We praise Him because He's worthy. God is calling us to a halal kind of praise, a halal kind of lifestyle, a foolish praise, a praise that declares that God is good in the midst of bad circumstances, a praise that declares that God is faithful when we are faithless, a praise that declares that God is in control in the midst of chaos. A praise that declares that God is on the throne no matter who's in the White House. A praise like Carol's who after a sudden unexpected loss of her husband can dance and lift her hands and say, blessed be your name. Why does any of this matter? Because our praise can change the outcome of our situations. It can change us. Even if it doesn't change the situation, it will change us. One of the most probably used passages in regards to praise and the subject is found in 2 Chronicles 20. And this might feel like a hard right turn. You're like, whoa. Uh, I'll just try to squeeze some, a lot in, into this message um, because this is the last one. All right. So this is a story where praise changed the outcome. 
And there are actually four of the seven Hebrew words uh, found in this passage that we're going to read. Uh, primarily, it's halal or a word called tehila, which we haven't covered yet. Um, it's the story of an ancient king in Judah named Jehoshaphat. And three of the enemies of Judah came to wage war. And the Bible says that the opposing army was vast. And Jehoshaphat inquired of the Lord. And there's a long prayer that he reads. We're only going to read the end of it. It's in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. He's praying to the Lord about this situation. And then he ends it this way. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And the reality is, without, without God's intervention, they all would have died. The enemy was too great. The prophet of the Lord then tells King Jehoshaphat that God is about to fight the battle for them. And he tells them, quote, to go out and face them tomorrow and that the Lord will be with you. You read that in verse 17. Verse 20 says this, Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat said, a student said, listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise. That word is halal. We just saw that. Foolish praise, clamorous praise, praise that makes no sense. Right? He, he asked them to praise, praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. Right, So Je Jehoshaphat appointed people to halal the Lord. I mean, how many of you agree this is a foolish kind of praise? Right, This is the ultimate definition of praise that don't make no sense. Right, These people are going to war, and instead of the soldiers going first, the worshipers and singers are sent to the front line, saying, give thanks, that word is yadah, lift up your hands, or remember, it's spiritual warfare, you're throwing rocks or shooting arrows, give thanks or yadah to the Lord for His love endures forever. And it says, as they begin to sing and praise, that word is tehillah, we'll come back to that, the Lord set ambushes against uh, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them, and after they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So basically these opposing forces began to turn on each other, and they just, they all died. The Bible says there was so much plunder from this that it took them three days to carry it all. It says there was so much they couldn't carry it away. Couldn't carry it away. Verse 26, on the fourth day, this is the fourth day of them trying to plunder their enemies, they assembled in the valley of Barakah where they praised, that word is Barak. You see how, I mean, do you see how it's kind of like, we read it, it just all says praise, praise this, praise this, praise that. But it's Yada, it's Barak, it's Tehillah, it's Halal. It's all of these things and it changes the way that we read it and understand it. That we're just praising, like we, and, and I said this, you know, in the initial part of this, we've associated praise with music so much that for me sometimes, I don't know if you're this way, when I read praise, my mind is just naturally thinking music. But this word praise, Barak, means they knelt, they knelt down before the Lord. That's why it's called the Valley of Berakah to this day. Their halal, their foolish praise changed the outcome. We simply don't have, again, time to go into depth of all seven of these words. But quickly, I want to turn your attention to something. I'm going to try to tie all this together, and then we'll, we're going to wrap it up. In Psalm chapter 22, verse 3, this is one of the most quoted verses of Scripture regarding praise in all of the Bible. Um, 
Psalm 22, verse 3, the NLT says this, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Let's go old school for a second. Some good old King James. Psalm 22, 3, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits, inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, if you've been around church, especially in a Pentecostal or charismatic circle, you've likely heard this verse quoted many times. How many of you heard this verse quoted? God inhabits the praises of His people. That's how we quote it. They don't quote the whole verse. That's what we say. God inhabits the praises of His people. Now that we have some limited knowledge regarding the word praise, I think we should probably ask the question, well, what kind of praise does He inhabit? Is it Barak? Is it Yada? Is it Zamar? Like what, what, what kind of praise does He inhabit? All praise? Well, let's look at it. So the word praise in this passage of Scripture is Tehillah. Tehillah means this, a laudation, a hymn, a song of praise, or a spontaneous song. And so to say that God inhabits the praises of His people in a corporate worship setting is essentially correct, because we're singing. We are, we are giving a laudation to the Lord. Uh, a moment ago, I was singing a, a, a spontaneous song when I was talking about the Father and running to Him. That was a spontaneous song. That would have been qualified or classified in, in scriptural terms as a Tehillah type of praise because it was spontaneous. A song that's never been sung before. A song that we're making up on the spot. So just when that happens, we're not crazy. We're just biblical. <laughs> so God inhabits our spontaneous songs or our hymns or our songs of praise and laudations. That's part of it. But the root word of Tehillah is halal. So halal and Tehillah are very closely related. And so while I think it's very important to understand what kind of praise that God inhabits, I think we sometimes have done ourselves an injustice by not researching and digging into what the word inhabits means. King James Version says inhabits. Modern versions say enthroned. So the word enthroned or inhabits there, in our English word, is the Hebrew word yashab. And I'm giving you all kinds of Hebrew stuff. You're like, dude, I just, I just came for the baked potatoes and chili. Can you hurry up? Uh, enthroned or inhabits is the word yashab. And this definition is very complex, and so I'm only going to highlight just a few things. But this is what it means. To sit down, to remain, to dwell, or to marry. So in essence... God does inhabit the praises of His people, but not just any praise. It's a spontaneous song or a foolish kind of praise. And that's why we're in the middle of difficult situations. We don't cease to praise. That's how we get God in the midst of all of the things that we don't understand. Because when all hell is breaking loose and your husband or your wife has died, or you just walked through a divorce, or you just had your car repoed, or you just lost your job, or someone just went into the hospital with COVID, and all of the things, and it doesn't make any sense to lift our hands and to praise in that moment. That is the moment for a halal, foolish kind of praise, and that is the kind of praise that God will inhabit. He doesn't just live there. He comes in and he sits down and he's enthroned on our heart. That's why if the only time that you praise is when we're singing, you're missing out on God being with you in all of your situations. That's why Paul said praise Him all the time. Give thanks all of the time. Because when we're living a life of praise, a lifestyle that says, I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus no matter what I face, that invokes His presence to live inside of my heart, to come inside there and be there and be enthroned and to marry 
God's not going to be divorcing that situation. He comes in and he's married to that situation. And as long as we remain in praise, he remains in contact until we get to the other side of that. That's why we don't cease to praise. But praise is more than just casually singing a few songs. It's more than just a weak, half-hearted laudation of who God is. A Tehillah praise invokes the presence of God. It's bigger than he just inhabits. Again, we've done ourselves a disservice or by unconsciously believing that praise and worship is something that I just do at church and that God will meet me here. And he will meet you here. But if you want him to be married to your situation, then your praise has got to go beyond three to four songs that we sing in church service. It's got to become a life. A life of halal or foolish praise. A life of spontaneous or tequila praise. And God will come in, sit down, and remain in the midst of our situations. All right, last thing. We've got to wrap this up. This is really too much material for one sermon, but we'll revisit this sometime later. Back to Jehoshaphat. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. Remember, uh, Tehillah, which is what we just read about in Psalm 22, verse 3. God inhabits and is enthroned on the praises of His people. Back to 2 Chronicles 20. As they began to sing and praise, that word is Tehillah. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And we just learned that Tehillah praise is what causes God to come in and sit down. That enthroned or yashab means to sit down. But look at this. Go to that definition. Did I put it on there? Next one. Yashab means to sit down, specifically in ambush. And in 22, verse 22, it said that they gave him a Tehillah praise and that the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. See, if we want God to fight our battles just as He fought on behalf of Judah and King Jehoshaphat, we have to begin to praise like Judah praised. The Lord will set ambushes, ambushes for your enemies. When we step into a halal or a tehillah, kind of praise. If you remember anything from the last couple of weeks, I hope that it's this, that praise and worship is not passive. God visits us, and there is a lot of receiving that takes place. There's a lot of just, some people call it soaking or resting, and, and I like to do that. Sometimes you just put on some soft music and you're just soak in the presence of the Lord or whatever. And sometimes that happens here. Adrian, you could come play. Um, where we're just, it's just soft. Because I think sometimes we do talk too much and sing too much and there is a moment where we just rest. But I hope that you remember that praise and worship is not passive, that it's more than just singing. That when we praise in a biblical way, that it's really an act of war. That we're doing something significant in the spiritual realm. Amen. 
You say, well, I don't, I don't like to sing. That doesn't matter because, there's, because worship is bigger than singing. When you're sacrificing, you're worshiping. You don't have to be singing. Gone are the days of praise equals fast music and worship equals slow music. I mean, you grew up thinking that. Praise and worship is just fast music, slow music. If it was a fast song, it was praise. If it was a slow song, it was worship. Anybody else think that? Well, that's wrong. <laughs> because worship is about your heart. And when we worship in a biblical way, it will invoke the presence of the Lord, not just tangibly in the room, which is what Charismatics and Pentecostals are famous for wanting. I just want God's presence in the room. And I want His presence in the room too, but I want His presence in my life when I'm out of the room. And that's going to take a living a life of Tehillah, Halal, Yada, where I'm throwing, enemy, uh, throwing arrows and stones into the enemy's camp. A spontaneous praise, a foolish praise like Taylor University. Ten points in, I'm down 20 points. This is the turning moment. And there's something spiritual about that, like praising him like crazy in the midst of the battle before the game is over. Listen, crowd, crowds can shift. You ever been in a game where you're losing and the crowd shifts it? Kentucky's not known for our football team. We had a pretty good year this year. And we were watching the, the Florida game, which is the most important game of the year for us. But it was, it was a home game, and the crowd so impacted that game. How many offsides calls did they have? Like between 8 and 11 offsides calls Florida had because the crowd was impacting the game. Their foolish, clamorous praise impacted the outcome. You think that spiritually when we begin to worship and praise in a biblical fashion that even in the middle of the storm when we haven't physically won the battle yet that it won't turn the outcome? When we lift our voice and lift our hands in the midst of craziness, God begins to work. So I want to encourage you this week and the weeks to come and let's lift up the name of Jesus differently. I know we didn't get to all seven words, but next week when we're singing, let's do it differently. When I encourage you to lift your hands, think about that battle that you're in the middle of and realize that you're throwing spiritual stones and arrows at the enemy. When you don't feel like praising because you're in the middle of something that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I don't feel like it. This makes no sense. The worst thing I've ever been through just happened. I'm not praising right now. That's the moment. When you come in this place or when you're in your car or whatever and we say praise and you don't feel like it, that's the moment of your breakthrough. Yada, halal, zamar, todah, barak, tahila, and shabak. The seven primary words of praise. Can we bow our heads just On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.